0: Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father, we thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you that we can praise you with all our hearts and minds in spite of (coughs) power outage. We give you all the praise for our gathering, thank you for our children, thank you for the youth. Thank you for all that is going on. Thank you for the powerful work of the Holy Spirit among us. Thank you for the growing schools ministry. Thank you for the growing children's work. And we beg you that each of these children will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus that changes everything. As we listen to your word together, we pray that God the Holy Spirit will open up our minds, open up our hearts, that will not be distracted, that we will hear, that we will be changed. Our will, our affections, our love will be oriented towards Jesus and to one another and to our neighbors, <clears throat> but we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Now we are nearing Christmas, I can't believe Christmas is coming again. Because it feels like it was just yesterday when we had um, 20, we are in 2022. So 2022 Christmas. Was it 2022 Christmas? No, 2021 Christmas. And now we have 2022 Christmas. That means we're moving into the next year. Can you believe it? Before you know it, we are all old men and women. By the grace of God. So how should we think of Christmas? I mean we know it's next week but let's begin to think about it now how should we think of christmas as disciples of the lord jesus how should we think of christmas we were in one of the schools to watch their christmas christmas event they call it and the children put up a drama uh, a show whatever you call it and what i liked about it was there were various scenes in the in the drama where people we're talking about the latest fashion line, the latest clothing that has come up. And there was this little angel who would watch what is happening and then ask, is that why tonight is so wonderful? And then they, those talking about the clothing line or they were talking about food and all the fun things that go on uh, along with Christmas. And then they will respond. No, clothing is okay, food is okay, but keep watching and you will know the exact reason for Christmas. So what I'm trying to do, just briefly this morning, is for us to think a little bit about what's Christmas. Why Christmas? Christmas changes everything. Christmas changes everything. We thank God for food, plenty of food during Christmas that makes bishop smile. <laughs> we thank God for Christmas party coming up. We thank God that children, some children get to get new clothing. Don't worry about him. Mm-hmm. We thank God for everything that goes along. But there is a bigger reason for Christmas. When you think of Christmas, think adoption. Anytime you think of Christmas, and I'll explain in a minute. Think Adoption. If you know what adoption is all about, adoption is basically you bring in children that are not necessarily from your body, not biological, and they become your children in every legal sense as though they are from your own body. In the Roman world, and in fact, even today, here in our country, that is what adoption is. So you don't just say, Tatra, that I have adopted this person well we would normally say that but when you talk of adoption it means that somebody before the government of the state and indeed before God has become your child in every way qualified to inherit you in every way so when you think christmas think adoption so look, imagine that you are a slave somewhere you you are a slave. You are in bondage to someone or to something. You cannot free yourself. You are in chains, locked up by that thing or by that someone. And then a king comes along. The king comes along, and then he sets you free. And then after he set you free from that something or someone, he says to you, "I'm also bringing you into my family, so that you become my daughter." Oh, my son, you have the full right to me. You will be loved as a biological child would be. Now, let's look at the passage that was read. Thank you for reading it so well. The reason for Christmas, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. Let me take it again. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir, someone who inherits. So let's talk about Christmas. What is the first thing we should think about when we think of Christmas? The first thing is this. God sent his son. Verse 4 again. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now what is he talking about? He says that God sent his son. The idea of God's son is not that God biologically gave birth to a son. Of course, the son proceeded from the father. But what he is saying is that the son is divine. This is God incarnates. God in a human form. Everything you see about him in word, in deed, that is God. In those days, when we say a king... When you see a king, he's the son of the gods, the son of God. He's the representation. He's the person that stands in. So he said, God sent forth his son. God, the son, came into our world. The father sent the son. God was in the midst of human beings. And then he said, born of a woman, he was a human being. He was a human being, the son that you saw. God the son became the son of God. He was a human being. He lived among us. He was born. And then he says he was born under the law. What do you mean by born under the law? The law of God is to obey. When you think of the law of God, don't think of do's and don'ts. Think of a fatherly instruction given to his people, his children. He was born under that law. And you realize that, that there was the first human being, Adam and Eve, that lived under God's law and failed. In this particular case, this son, born of a woman, he lived under God's law and he obeyed it perfectly. He obeyed it to the very dot. He was victorious where Adam failed. He was born under the law, full obedience to the father's instruction even to the point of death so john says in his gospel john chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and then he jumps to verse 14 we jump to verse 14 and he says the word who was god talking about what paul is talking about in galatians 4 the word became flesh The Word became a human being and made his dwelling among us. He was born. We have seen his glory, the glory as of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when we think Christmas, when we think of Christmas, we think of the moment in history when God the Son broke into our world through that young lady called Mary. He broke into our world, and then he became a human being in order to fulfill every one of God's purposes in us, for us, and in the world. And so why Christmas? Why did God send his son, born of a woman, born under the law? And verse 5 answers us. Verse 5, to redeem those under the law. That we might receive adoption to sonship. This is not, sonship is not a term for the male. It is a term for the children, male and female. To redeem those who by themselves could not have lived and could not live the perfect life that God requires. To redeem those who by themselves could not obey the law the way the Lord requires to be obeyed. Therefore, they were in bondage to sin and death. They were helpless. So at Christmas we rejoice because we celebrate the fact that God sent his son to be like us. To live perfectly in our place. Lived the life we should have lived but could not and then he died the death we should have died he paid the price for our rebellion against god and if you think that is good enough it is good it is good in the whole universe but it gets even better not only has he done this for all who believe that christ truly did this for them Christ's death was their death. Christ's life was their life. By faith in him. Not only did he do this, then God through him gave them the greatest blessing any human being can have. The greatest blessing. Now take a moment, imagine what do you think is the greatest blessing any human being can have? Well eternal life, that is true put it in another way, a reason for the eternal life. The greatest blessing you can ever have. I know people, when we think of blessing, we're thinking the material. The material is good. I thank God people have cars to move them up and down. And they have roofs over their head and all these other things. But the greatest blessing any human being can have is the blessing of adoption is to be brought into God's family. That's what adoption is. You are brought into God's family. God refers to you not as his slave, but as his child, his daughter, or his son. Now let me say this, that may surprise some of you. If you are in Jesus, adoption means that God looks at you and loves you as he looks at his son, the Lord Jesus. If you are in Christ, if you believe that Christ lived the life you should have lived, but you could not, and died the death, you should have died. And you turn to him for forgiveness by faith in Jesus. God does something for you. He changes your status. He makes you his child. Now, I know we have heard this. Oh, we are all God's children. Please, not everyone is God's child. It's only those who are in Jesus by faith. That is the greatest blessing any human being can have. Is the king of kings, the heavenly father, the creator of all things, the one who sent forth his son at his time, born of a woman, born under the law. For those who come by faith, you are god's very own child for those of you who are parents whether by biological birth or adoption parents you know what i'm talking about even though yours is tainted by sin and can never be perfect in this life yours is only a picture a tiny darkened picture of the reality The reality is not ours. The reality is our relationship through Christ with the Father. We are God's children. And ours is trying to be a picture of that. And listen to something that he says. Because he's changed our status and identity and has made us his children through Jesus. Because of that, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Crying Abba Father. Now, this is surprising that Paul puts it that way. Because you could have said, Paul, God sent forth the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And then you continue, and that would be perfectly fine. But then he says that he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. He deliberately uses the idea of the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of his son. The spirit of his son, the spirit of Jesus is the spirit that has been put in the heart of those who belong to God by faith in Jesus. He is basically equating the sonship of Jesus and your sonship. You being a child of God. God has become their father as he is the father of the son. By faith in the son. Our status before God has changed. We have become His children in every sense. There is someone that every the family trait of all members of God's family is this: God, the Holy Spirit, indwells them. And that is why he deliberately talks that way, the spirit of His son. There is the spirit of sonship. You cannot be the Son of God. You cannot be the daughter of God without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one, the deposit, guaranteeing the inheritance of the children of God. So when Jesus steps into our world, the reason we celebrate Christmas, there is something serious going on here, and it is glorious. It is amazing. And guess something. The Spirit, not us in this instance, the Spirit cries, Abba, Father. Father. Now, when we hear the term cry, we we think of it in negative terms. We think of cry as weeping, for example. But the cry here is not cry of negativity, it's not weeping. It is rejoicing. It is an emotional outburst. The spirit in our hearts saying, Papa, Daddy, rejoicingly, we have become Just as little children, (laughs) may we not lose sight of little children. Sometimes we are too old and we lose this relationship with the Lord. We know a lot of theology. We know this. We argue a lot. We, We are so mature. We have become prim and proper. And in our relationship with God, we are always trying to analyze this. Even in prayer, we are analyzing whether this word sounds theological and what is the nature of my tongues and all these other things. Little children don't bother with these things. God, you are their father or their mom, and that's it. We saw an example right now. I don't care what nobody thinks of me. They just want to be children. May we not lose that before God. They just want to be children. And the spirit cries, Papa, Daddy, Papa, Here, the Spirit cries, Abba Father. Paul had talked about in Romans 8, isn't it? Romans 8 15. He says that the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you, brought about your adoption to sonship. By Him, we now, we cry, Abba Father. You see, what is happening, if you hold those two together, who cries, Abba, Father, the Spirit or us? Both. The Spirit of adoption in us confirms, confirms deeply in my heart that I am a child of God, even in the midst of my suffering. I am a child of God. I am a child of God, not because of what I have done to earn it, but because of God's mercy. And so the Spirit cries, Abba, Father, confirms with my spirit, and then I cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit at work, confirming every day within our fellowship, in the Scriptures, as we pray, as we go through sufferings, as we rejoice, the Spirit is doing something. He is deepening in me, sonship. Do you realize that Abba, Father is the very description Jesus calls the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane? Mark 14, 36. He prays, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. And then he says, if it is possible, let this cup pass over me. The description that the Lord Jesus gives to God the Father is the description that the Spirit is inviting us to give to God the Father because we are in Jesus. Adoption. Christmas. is about adoption. Because the Son came. we are addressing god in the same way that jesus is addressing god brothers and sisters can you think about it or you are feeling sleepy cuz the room is warm we'll finish soon but think about this i don't know what you've been experiencing lately i mean this year this month i know it's been stressful it's been it's been really stressful I've heard more people talk about the city's relationship to the dollar this week than I've ever heard in my whole life. Everybody is stressing. We say it should go down. It comes down and some people are stressing. It goes up and some people are stressing. We are all stressing together. We don't now even know what we are stressing about. But whatever the noise may be, just just quieting a little bit, just a little bit, for a moment, two seconds and say to yourself, I am an adopted daughter of the Heavenly Father, and he loves me as he has loved the only begotten Son. Jesus is the only one who qualifies to call the Father Abba, but by faith in him he has made you and I to also call him Abba, Father. Hallelujah." the spirit brings this deep seated conviction I love um, this story of a grandmother, it could be my grandmother but let's make it general who hasn't been to school but a believer a staunch believer trusts in the cross of the Lord Jesus and then somebody who has spent much of his life in the university terrain, a lot of philosophy a lot of big uh, language that they themselves perhaps do not even understand, speaks with this old, uneducated grandmother. Tell me, give me three reasons why I should believe in your Christianity. And grandma doesn't have a lot of words. She's unable to argue with this giant of a philosopher from the university, the University of Cape Coast. (laughs) And yet, grandmother says, I don't know how to articulate it, but what I know deep inside of me is that I, your 80-year-old grandmother, I am a child of God. I know it's deep within. I know Jesus died for me. I can't give you all the other explanations that go with it. This is the conviction given only by the Holy Spirit. And for those who can call God Abba, God loves you, in the same way as he loved the Son, Jesus. Can you imagine? I didn't say that. John chapter 17, verse 23. Jesus is praying. This is the Lord Jesus praying. I in them, you in me. He's praying this unity prayer so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, listen, and have loved... um, And have loved them, even as you have loved me. This is Jesus praying. And he is praying for us, who will come in the history of Christianity, in the history of the faith. And he said, I want the world to know that you have loved them with the same sort of love that you have loved me. Because in me, they have been adopted. Christmas changes everything, brothers and sisters. It changes everything you can imagine. So let me just run through some of the things it changes for us quickly. Number one, if you are trusting in Jesus, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. The spirit of adoption means that we have a new motivation to live. We have a new uh, motivation. Another word, then. New in <laughs> <laughs> the We have a new reason. It's stronger than a reason. Sure. We have a new meaning. We have a new. <laughs> 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 Let's stick to the word. We have a new motivation. You know when you are motivating someone? There's a new purpose. A new purpose. <laughs> now who says Prof went to the University of Ghana? Prof, did you go to the University of Ghana? <laughs> we have a new motivation to live. Listen to our senior brother, uh, a British man, J.I. Parker. He's going to be with the Lord. He says... To live by faith, as we say, the just will live by faith. Christians live by faith. So to live by faith is not a general positive attitude. It's not. It's not motivational talking. It's not positive mentality. To live by faith is a deliberate attempt to fire the heart with a knowledge of who we are in Christ. And to live consistently with that knowledge. That knowledge is our adoption Our adoption must be the controlling thoughts. I'm a child of God must be the controlling thought. The reason we live. The purpose for our lives. We belong to someone. We have become his children. And that is why we live the way we live. Every point of our lives. And another one who is much, much senior brother, he says, John Owen. If the love of the father will not make a child delight in him, what will? If the way God has loved us and brought us into his family will not move us to want to please him and to want to embrace him, to want to look at him, to want to fall at his feet and hug him, figuratively speaking, sometimes literally, if that will not motivate us to live the way we will. then what will? What will? Number two, adoption. We being children of God through Jesus by the power of the Spirit means that we delight in obedience. Sometimes we have portrayed obedience as, it's almost a painful thing. Obeying God is a painful thing. I think it's not our fault. Fo- it's the way sometimes is presented to us. Obedience, actually, if we understand our adoption, it's a delight. Do we fail at it sometimes? Yes, that's why we repent. It's a delight. Our whole motivation in life grows increasingly in a desire to want to please our Father as a demonstration of our love for him. That's why godly uh, Christian husbands, should live in a particular, not even because of the wife. That's why Christian wives should live in a particular, not even because of the husband, but primarily because of the love for the father. That's why Christian children should live in the way they live at home, even if their parents are not Christians, because of their love for the father who first loved them. Number three. I've said it, and it's the same thing I'm saying in different ways, so pardon me. Adoption, you being a child of God in Jesus, by the Spirit's power, means holy living. It means holy living. Gospel holiness becomes our desire not to earn our way into God's good books, but a desire of a child to be true to the family traits. This is who we are. We want to resemble our father. Adoption is expressed in the way we live. We are freed. We are freed. And please listen to this very carefully and don't confuse it. We are freed from the need to keep the law of God as a means to ending life. Rather now, because we are children, we are obliged to keep the law of God. We have the obligation to keep God's instruction only as a means of pleasing and loving back our Heavenly Father. Because we don't want to mar the relationship we have with our Father, the fellowship through unholy living. Anytime, please, you think of holy living, never think of a means to enter into God's good books so that you can have something to stand on. You know when we are suffering, I don't blame us. Suffering is painful. We tend to say to God, Look at me. I have taken good care of my, myself, particularly for a lady who believes they are growing older and hasn't been, uh, gotten married or they want to. And look at the way I've taken good care of myself. God is under no obligation to do anything. Instead of that prayer, we run to our loving Heavenly Father. And then we request, ask from a father. No transactional relationship. Everything that we do out of his grace is our way of pleasing him. That is the goal of holy living. Now we have a different obligation to guard our father's law. It is our father's law. We want to obey, we want to show the world what it looks like to belong to our father's family, to be adopted into this family. Number four, adoption means a life of dependence. And then I'll come to the last one and then we'll close. It's a life of dependence, like little children. I've been praying this prayer for myself lately. I want to go back to my childlike faith. (laughs) It looks like too much theology isn't helping. The little that I have isn't helping too much. Theology is good if you study it for the right reasons. But I want my childlike faith back. I want that dependence on God for everything and in every area of my life. Not to reason that, don't go and bother God with this. Don't go and bother God with Now we are reasoning for him. He's my father. My children do not reason out what should bother me with and what shouldn't bother me They bother me with everything. And sometimes I wonder, why are you bothering me with this? Because you are a daddy. (laughs) One day we entered the shop. Don't go for I uh, can' say poor window shopping, your kids. It's a bad idea with your kids, especially when you don't have money with you. And you so well, let's just go through game and see what is there. Everybody in game knows you don't have money. because what happens? Can you buy this for me? No, I don't have money now. And then they fall to the ground. <laughs> especially the last one. Fall to the ground and cry. Then people are passing and they look at you and they look at the child. He's supposed to buy it for me. Why? He's my daddy. I don't have money. No. You are my daddy. You have money. (laughs) Dependence. Dependence. It will change your life if you recapture this adoption. Dependence. When it's stressful at work, don't become too wise in your own eyes. Just depend on him. Ask him for wisdom. And so on and so forth and then finally our adoption means discipline as dearly loved children because the father loves us he disciplines us because the father loves us he disciplines us sometimes it comes across as suffering brothers and sisters christian suffering does not necessarily mean you have sinned Christian suffering may well mean an expression of the love of the Father for you. But why should I go through these things? I don't know. Don't ask me. But I know your Father loves you. Again, let me go to senior brother J.I. Parker. He says this. You don't know him. I haven't met him personally anyway. We just read and we pretend we know them. In this world, Royal children have to undergo extra training and discipline which other children escape in order to fit them for their high destiny. It is the same with children of the King of Kings. The clue to understanding all his dealings with us, with them, is to remember that throughout their lives he is training them for what awaits them and chiseling, chiseling them into the image of Christ, their elder brother. So, brothers and sisters, Christmas, and you can't talk about Christmas without holding it with Easter, but that will come. Christmas means that for those who belong to Jesus, we have a unique assurance We have a unique approach to prayer. We have such intimacy with our Father and all our Bible reading and fellowship is to deepen this intimacy. We have freedom and confidence. We have fellowship and connections with other brothers and sisters, even though we fight a lot. And then we share in the inheritance of Jesus. We will share in Jesus' glory. We will share in Jesus' glory. What a privilege we have. Christmas is here. Think about adoption and live all of your life not only during the season but throughout by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that you are a child of God. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father we want to be children again we want to have our affections for you as your children again we have matured so much that we have forgotten you are not only our friend you are not only our god you are not only our king you are all of that but you are also our father who has loved us as you have loved the only begotten son help us to live our lives In the light of this, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.